Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This show brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket, Thera One, and Bet Online. Make sure you check out all of our sponsors. That can only help us improve this show a bit. So, okay, the Lions, first day off of padded training camp happened on Wednesday, so there's not a lot to look at from that perspective as far as what's been going on with the franchise on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, there have been some pretty big winners, I think, in the first two days. And again, I come at it with the caveat of it's only been two days of practice. A lot of rookies have gotten some attention, Quintez Cephas and some of his route running, Jeff Okuda, and I wouldn't say his struggles, but the reality of being an NFL corner DeAndre Swift and his pass-catching ability, and Jonah Jackson and his spot, at least as of now, at right guard. So a lot of it has been rookie-focused, but obviously, as we've done on this podcast since I started it, we want to hear from you, and we want want to answer the questions that you have. So this is going to be a mailbag episode of the podcast asked for questions on Twitter and on Instagram, and I've got a bunch to go through. So we're just going to jump right in here and answer what we can. And then obviously they get back to practice again today, Thursday with another 10.30 a.m. practice, and we'll be back to the normal practice. Observations and kind of chatting about what players and coaches have been saying tomorrow. So first question comes from Nate Simons, who's at what Simon says. He asks, how does Amani Awarie look, and does the secondary look like it would be a strength of this roster? Well, first let's start with Amani Awarie. The good news for Amani Awarie is twofold right now. One, he is technically starting opposite Desmond Trufant. Now, obviously, that's a for now situation, I think, since everybody expects that eventually Jeff Okuda will take that job from Amani Awarie. As you've heard me say a few different times on a few different episodes, I think Awarie will make it a little bit more difficult than one might think on Okuda. But to me, this just shows that they do have some confidence in Awarie to be that top backup on the outside. Obviously, they do have Justin Coleman in the slot, and he can play outside as well. But I think Awarie has looked okay so far. He hasn't 
been written in my notebook at all for anything extremely positive or anything extremely negative. Again, just two days. I haven't thrown the ball a lot in team periods. So he hasn't really struggled in any way, which I think is a good sign for him. I felt that he's a guy that really should be able to take that big step from year one to year two. And I anticipate that you might see that, although you might not see it all that much on the field if Okuda does end up winning that job. He's a guy I think you can feel comfortable about that if Trufant gets hurt or Okuda gets hurt or they're on defense for a 14-play drive or something like that and they need to spell one of their outside corners, Awarie can handle that. And he showed that a little bit late last year and has good ball instincts. As far as the secondary as a whole goes, I think it will be a strength of the team. I definitely think it will be a strength of their defense. I think it's the most... I'm trying to, the right word to say probably would be maybe either the deepest part of their defense or certainly the most talented overall. Because, listen, yeah, they lost Darius Slay, they lost Quandre Diggs, we all know that, and, and those are two good players, players I would not have gotten rid of. Desmond Trufant is not as good as Darius Slay, but he can play. Obviously, they're banking a bit at corner on the improvement of Awarie and the ability of Okuda to step in right away, but they do have some depth. They added a ton of corners, depth corners in free agency to really push Mike Ford and D. Virgin for some of those back-end spots that are more special teams roles as well. A guy to watch there could be Tony McRae or Daryl Roberts. McRae obviously has experience with Braden Coombs in Cincinnati, and Roberts has played a decent amount of football and actually gotten out on the field on defense a little bit when he was with the Jets. So at corner, I think they're they're in okay shape. At safety, I think they're really deep because you have Will Harris, who the Lions traded Quandre Diggs and put Will Harris in a pretty big spot last year, and he held up okay at times but really struggled at others. They're replacing him with Deron Harmon. Harmon is exactly what Matt Patricia wants. He's a quintessential Patriots player, but more of a quintessential player for this defense. He's going to be able to move around a little more, which will allow the Lions to move Tracy Walker around a lot more and take advantage of Walker's ball skills and also the fact that his length can be really problematic for teams if he gets down in the box. A guy that's really stood out to me just from a physical perspective is probably their third or fourth safety right now, and that's J-Ron Curse. J-Ron Curse is a big, big man. He does not look like your typical safety. He looks like a linebacker, a linebacker from height in just kind of a safety's lankiness. He is going to be a problem if Matt Patricia and Corey Undlin figure out a way to use him effectively. I would imagine, should he make the team, which I would imagine he will, He'll end up being used kind of in packages that are sub-packages, that maybe nickel-type packages, those three safety packages. But, of course, when it comes to curse, he's going to miss the first three games of the year due to a suspension from the league. So it'll be a little bit to see how they deploy him in their defense. And by then, we might have a better idea anyway based off how they use Will Harris or maybe even Miles Killebrew. Because Miles Kelly probably is the closest in comparison to what they would try to do with him. But J. Ron Curse is a much bigger, I think, lankier, longer player than Killebrew, who might be a bigger hitter. We haven't really seen that yet just because there hasn't been many much hitting. Jeremy Friedrichs asks, 
With Carrion Johnson sidelined and another running back brought in this week, how much concern is there about his ability and his future? First of all, just to make it clear, Carrion Johnson wasn't sidelined so much as it was a maintenance day for Carrion Johnson. And I'm not surprised that they would do that. Listen, he's been injured in back-to-back seasons. Durability is going to be a concern for Carrion Johnson until he shows he can get through 15 at least games a season without injury or with minor you know, bumps and bruises, but he's missed half or close to half of his first two seasons in the league. So absolutely a reason to kind of not allow him to take as many hits, not allow him to take as many reps. He also knows what he's doing in the offense at this point. This is his second year in the offense. You need to get Jason Huntley and DeAndre Swift, two rookies, some work. Bo Scarborough is really only on the team for half a season, so you want to see what he can do as well. And Ty Johnson's younger than him too. So Carrion Johnson's really the oldest back as well before they brought in a free agent this week, which they did by cutting Wes Hills. They brought in Jonathan Williams, who is the fifth-year pro. Automatically the most experienced running back they have out of Arkansas. I think he's a guy that's fit in well. I don't necessarily think that that says anything about Carrion Johnson's future because, listen, Williams is 26 years old already. He's three years older than well, other than Nick Bowden, if you don't count him, he's three years older than any other running back they have on the roster. So I don't think this says anything about Carryon Johnson's future or about his durability um, by bringing in Jonathan Williams. I think it just gives them another running back that they can look at, another guy that they consider, be, can consider, because as we all know, this position not only beats players up, but if you have a COVID situation at, the, at this position, you want to have as many guys as possible who know your offense. So that was a couple questions. We'll be back right after this break with hitting all of the rest of the topics you want to talk about on this mailbag edition of the Michael Rothstein Show. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. This was started by Dr. Jason Wurzland, who's also the guy who started Theragun, which are in NFL and NBA locker rooms all over the place. And Dr. Jason saw the benefits of Theragun and that therapy that it provides. And he also saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. So he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler. And these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. So every product is USD certified organic. It's grown in the United States and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to Theragun dot com slash blue wire if you don't love what you're getting from TheraOne, send it back you'll get a full refund within 30 days of purchase this is not something TheraOne is likely to do again buy one get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire but only until labor day go right now theragun.com slash blue wire and sunday sunday 
Sundays, yes, they're coming back. The NFL is almost back with games. It's super exciting. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. And we're just going to jump right back into questions in this mailbag edition of The Michael Rothstein Show. John DeLeo, who's at John C. DeLeo on Twitter, asks, does DeAndre Swift look the part of a running back? One, is Scarborough in shape and has he impressed so far? couple things here. First, I think it's too early to say anybody looks the part of a running back one or running back two. What I will tell you is DeAndre Swift looks like he's going to be a guy that should be able to play early, which should surprise nobody. But that he's going to have that pass-catching ability out of the backfield, which we talked a little bit about on yesterday's show, is going to be really, really key. The Lions haven't had a pass-catching back, really, since Theo Riddick left before the start of last season. And to me, I think that DeAndre Swift looks like Theo Riddick in his prime and how he can make some defenders look silly. He's going to be a big problem for linebackers and for safeties. He's also small enough, kind of like what Theo Riddick was, that you might lose him out of the line of scrimmage out of the backfield too. So all of those things I think can help make him at least a third down back, and we'll see how he handles running the ball a little bit more as training camp goes on. But Scarborough looks like he's in shape. Again, only a couple days of practice, and he didn't do a lot on day two. So I wouldn't be too concerned there. I think that it's just maintenance and making sure that all of their backs are ready to go when the season starts. You shouldn't be surprised about that when it comes to Matt Patricia, because Matt Patricia has always been very cautious with his running backs as long as he's been the head coach. If you remember back when Carrion Johnson was a rookie, he didn't really play him all that much those first months of the season before really letting him go go in that Miami game. And it does not shock me that they're doing the same thing right now, especially because Scarborough, and as we talked about before, Carrion Johnson, they know the offense. They know what they're going to theoretically get out of them. I think right now you're trying to get more of a look at Swift and more of a look at Huntley, more of a look at Jonathan Williams. Let them get acclimated to the offense, and you've got two weeks. So I think as long as you see Scarborough and Carrion work out a little bit more, maybe end of this week, beginning of next week, I think you can start to feel good about where that they are. But both Scarborough is a different type of back than what they have. I can't say he's impressed or been unimpressive so far just because he hasn't really done much. Jamara, who's at Jamara23732, what have you seen so far from the defensive side of football and will they take a step up in sacks? Also, rest in peace, Jamie from 97 won the ticket. Um, Yes, obviously, um, I believe we hit it on a prior show, but the death of Jamie Stanley's son a couple weeks ago from 97 won is just horrible. Um, from colon cancer, and please, you know, consider getting colonoscopies if you can. Uh, Jamie was, I listened to him most every morning driving to the facility, him and Stoney. I didn't didn't know Jamie very well, uh, just because I didn't grow up here, and uh, I really only cover Lions games, and he was out there once in a while, was always very friendly, and, you know, it's just obviously a really big loss. Um, on to your question, as far as from the defensive side of the football, again, it's been really early, um, I like what the secondary potentially has. 
Um, I have still major concerns on the defensive line. I don't think that that's a secret. I've been banging that drum for months now. I mean, Trey Fla- they're going to need a lot out of Trey Flowers. I think Trey Flowers has looked good so far, but again, only a couple days. I thought he's handled some of the one-on-ones against Taylor Decker really well, but he should handle the one-on-ones against Taylor Decker really well because they're paying Trey Flowers to be one of the elite defensive ends in the game, and he should be. So I think there's just still a lot of question marks. I like what they've done with Jamie Collins. They've moved him around a little bit. He seems like he's a little bit of everywhere, but I still think they're figuring out what they have on defense. So right now, it's too tough to maybe make a real determination of anything that you've seen defensively because there's more new defensive pieces than offensive pieces as well. So it would lend to believe that the defense is going to take some time to catch up, even though guys like Deron Harmon, guys like Jamie Collins already know the defense, guys like Danny Shelton already know the defense. Danny Shelton's obviously a big guy. That's really stood out to me. I think he's handled the middle of that defense pretty well, but they also can't really tackle or or take guys to the ground, so that makes it tough to read on any defensive lineman. I think defensive tackle is a position that's really quite thin at the moment. Obviously, Jayshon Cornell was hurt in Tuesday's practice, and it sounded fairly serious. Kevin Strong hasn't practiced yet, so when you're looking at defensive tackles, what you've got right now is Nick Williams and Danny Shelton, and theoretically Deshaun Hand, if you want to use him there, Olive Sagapolu, and the rookie John Piacini. So that's it. And to me, other than Danny Shelton and maybe Hand, that's not a group that inspires a ton of confidence. I know some people are really high on Nick Williams. I am less high on him just because I do question whether that six-sack season in Chicago last year was more of an outlier. But Nick Williams is getting a lot of time so far. So defensive line is still, I think, a major question. Linebacker, I think they're still sorting things. But as we were talking about for secondary is I think the spot where it's going to potentially be the strength for the Lions. ELF, which is English Lions fan, asks, which free agent signing has impressed the most so far? That's actually a really good question. Um, I would probably have to go with... I'm actually looking at the list to make sure I don't forget anybody. I, I would probably say Jamie Collins. And, and again, it's tough to say that two days in when there hasn't been any real, real tackling and you you can't get a true grasp yet. But I think the way that they've moved Collins around a little bit, he seems to be really active when he's out on the field. He seems to be in on a lot of plays, quote unquote. So to me, I think you're you're seeing what Jamie Collins can do for this defense and how his versatility can really help things out. Uh, Desmond Trufant's probably the guy I've caught notice of the most just because I've been watching a lot of the receivers and I've been watching defensive backs because of Okuda. I think he's played okay so far, but he hasn't made any massive standout plays. He did drop an interception uh, on the first day of practice on Monday. But again, I think that right now it's still some basic stuff and you're still just getting stuff in. And you'll start to really maybe see some guys stand out in the next few days. The other guy I would mention would be J. Ron Curse, But to me, that's more of just, again, his physical traits and abilities versus anything he's necessarily done on the field so far. Jake, who's at 
DET represent 23 asks, how has TJ Hawkinson looked so far? I know his ankle isn't hundred percent, but is he looking good enough to play at a high level? Yeah, so far, I think so. I, they haven't thrown his ball. The ball is way all that much yet. He was actually the target on that pass that I was talking about from Stafford that was almost picked by Trufant. But yeah, I think he's moving well. I haven't noticed him being significantly slowed in any form or fashion. And as he said, you know, it's still there. He's still getting used to it a little bit, but he's not going to baby it. And I think he should be in line to take a large step up this year. He hasn't shown me anything so far to make me think that the injury has lingered in any significant way. I think it's just like everybody else getting back into form and, and really only being a second year pro. He's still learning that to begin with. It's not like a Galladay or a Stafford or a Marvin Jones where they've been through this enough and they know what it takes to be ready right away. I, I wouldn't worry about TJ Hawkinson, not one bit at this point in time. I think he's going to have a good year and uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about the ankle at this point either. Lord Don, who's at Sir Condos, S-I-R-C-O-N-D-O-H-S, asks, has Hal Vitae stood out at all? Uh, He's had a couple of good reps here and there. Uh, I've been more watching the guy he's been playing next to in right guard Jonah Jackson. That guy has been one of the guys I've been watching the most so far in camp. But as far as Vitae goes... Yeah, I mean, I think he's held up okay, again, without really being able to hit quarterbacks, without being able to get a ton of pressure. They've done a lot more run defense and run plays than anything else. I think that he's he's hanging in there, and, you know, I thought he, he struggled a little bit with Romeo Aquara, I thought, on Tuesday in one rep, but I thought he really handled himself really well against Romeo Aquara and really stood him up in another rep, so... And that's on the one-on-one offensive line, defensive line drills, which is where you kind of get to see a lot of their individual abilities. But sometimes we don't know what they're working on from day to day either as far as offensive line or defensive line. But I think he did a good job standing up Vita or standing up Aquara. So, yeah, I think that that's a good spot to start. And again, with offensive line, I know we've talked about it a little bit. It's tough to judge this early on because of the lack of true hitting and they're trying to be careful and trying to ramp up and uh he hasn't looked out of place which is a good sign and he has i haven't really seen him get turnstiled or anything like that again a really good sign there but it's early so i wouldn't read too much into that zach Golick, who's at zach Golick, asks any noticeable differences in patricia's style or demeanor between years two and year three well he's off the atv that's uh, the first thing you notice from Matt Patricia. He's still really loud. You can still definitely hear him out at practice, uh, especially with no fans there. You can hear him even clearer. We're not allowed to report on things he says or anything like that based off of uh, policies set by the NFL and NFLPA, but he is loud. I can I feel comfortable telling you that. Uh, I haven't really no- noticed a difference just because we're not around him on a day-to-day. We're around him in a Zoom call. He's been... Very friendly in a Zoom call. I would say he's been almost friendlier this year than he was even a year ago, which was a marked, 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 marked improvement from year one when he was not. And everybody knows that and everybody saw that. And yes, everybody knows about the incidents that I had with him in year one as well. I think he has gotten a lot better in dealing with the media. I think that he seems better dealing with the players. I, 
And, you know, we'll see how all of that goes. But I think from a style perspective and a demeanor perspective, it seems like he's more comfortable than he was at any other point in the first two years. And that I think that's expected as you continue to get your feet wet and understand what it takes to be a head coach year over year. I think the fact that no one really knows what to expect this year is also probably frustrating for him, but also maybe a little bit of like a challenge and that probably excites him a little bit as well. But I've noticed nothing from a negative vein so far in his style or demeanor this year. Um, and really, I mean, you, you saw you, that was more of, I think something you noticed last year versus year one, then year two versus year three. Uh, because even what Darius Slay had talked about, a lot of what Quandre Diggs had talked about, a lot of what obviously what Glover Quinn talked about, to me and to other reporters, was mostly stuff that happened in year one, not necessarily stuff that happened last year. But listen, we'll see what happens as practices go on, as the year goes on, whether they're winning, whether they're losing, and that could determine a lot too. Nathan Bruce, who's at Bruiser 12 asks, which interior group looks most in sync, the offensive line or the defensive line? Both are pivotal to team success. Nathan, without a doubt, and you know those are probably the two hardest groups to judge right now because of the lack of tackling and the lack of hitting. There's obviously new pieces on both sides of those, right guard right now with Jonah Jackson or whoever ends up playing there, and then on defensive, on the interior, everybody's new with Danny. Basically, yeah, everybody's new except for Deshaun Hand at this point. And Deshaun Hand's more of an outside, inside type guy to to begin with. So I would say the offensive line, just because of the familiarity that Frank Ragnow and Joe Dahl have with each other. And the two of them, by my understanding, are pretty friendly. So I think that they have a lot of comfort together. So that has helped them. But it's tough to really make a judgment at this point, again, two days in, but I would expect the offensive line to be more comfortable and more in sync, especially the center left. Not necessarily the center right, because you've got two new guys in Jonah Jackson and then Hal Vitae on that side. So I would say that interior of the left side that Dahl Ragnow probably pushes that to me there, because defensive line, they're still learning each other because they've never played together. Uh, really, any of them have never really played together all that much. I think Shelton and uh, Flowers might have overlapped for a year together in New England. But when you're looking at it, I mean, those guys are still learning each other. I think that'll take some time. might even take into the season for them really, really to get comfortable with each other. And that's just, I think, the reality for a lot of teams around the NFL where continuity is going to be the the most important thing. Uh, Bill, who's at Yep, Just Bill, asks, probably too early to tell, but are things running differently with Undlin as the defensive coordinator? No, and I would not have expected them to, nor should you expect them to. This is still Matt Patricia's defense. This is still Matt Patricia's game plans. It doesn't matter to me whether Matt Patricia or Corey Undlin is actually calling the defense because it's still Matt Patricia's defense. He's still going to have a heavy influence over everything. And as he always likes to say when we've asked these questions in the past from really when he first got hired is this. Even if someone else is a coordinator, the part of being a head coach is that he can overrule and override and put his input in. So if you think that Matt Patricia is not going to be doing that a lot on defense this year, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, Nothing really has looked too different with Unlin as defensive coordinator. I don't think that that will really show up until maybe they scrimmage 
which it's not exactly clear when that will be. Usually we have an idea of when that is, but with the condensed schedule, I'm not sure yet. Uh, or preseason games, or really the first few weeks of the season. I, I don't know if that answer is going to be truly able to be brought together until week two or week three of the season. Much like last year with Darryl Bevel, I think it was similar, where if you remember after week one last year, there were questions about trust issues because of uh, the timeout that came on third down that kind of in some ways cost the Lions a win. And by the end of the year, it was, well, wow, Darryl Bevel's a really good offensive coordinator. Like, yeah. So it's going to take time. Uh, I would say that Corey Unlin is pretty loud. I think he's louder than Pasqualoni from what I remember. I think he's more, he's got more, I don't want to say fire to him because obviously Pasqualoni is 20 or so years older, maybe even more than, than Unlin. Uh, but you can definitely tell there's a passion there with Unlin that, that shows and the players really seem to like him and really seem to gravitate toward him, which I don't, that, I wouldn't say that necessarily is something that makes me think it's running differently, but it's definitely, I think, a different type of vibe, and we'll see how that pans out and plays off. Uh, and lastly, from Junior Sanchez, who's at J-R-S-A-M-E-Z. Hey, please give us some sour relief and tell us if the Lions finally are going to get some help on the defensive line since Jay Sean Cornell went down. We don't know how serious Cornell's injury is yet. This is uh, as of 4 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, but it didn't look good the way Matt Patricia described it as pretty serious, pretty severe on Tuesday leads me to think you're not going to see Jay Sean Cornell anytime soon. And yeah, I would think that that will mean that they will seek out some defensive line help. The question is, who can they really bring in? And at this point, especially on the interior of the defensive line, I don't know the answer to that question. And I don't think that there is a great answer to that question because you're at a time right now where, by the way, even if you do bring somebody in, they're probably going to have to wait at least two to three days, and then they're going to have a ramp-up period. So it's going to take time for them to really get out on the field because of COVID tests and physicals, just as a reminder for anyone who theoretically comes in at this point. But for the sake of argument, obviously some of the edge rushers that are out there, but that's not going to change what they're going to do with possibly with Cornell or guys like Clowney and Jabal Sheard, who, you know, both of whom would make sense in this defense, but... Don't know if that's going to happen. And obviously a Mike Daniels reunion is no longer in the cards because he's in Cincinnati. But you look at some of the names that are out there. Obviously Gerald McCoy now out there, but that's not going to happen since he got hurt and he's he's done for a while. So some possibilities. Obviously Marcel Darius, I believe, is still out there. Snacks Harrison, but I just can't see a reunion happening at this point, especially because you brought in Danny Shelton and that's you're you're looking for a guy that maybe can get after the passer a little bit more. Akeem Spence is out there, but I don't think he fits this defense. And also, if you listen to the podcast that I had with Akeem last week or two weeks ago, it doesn't sound like he's planning on playing at all this year. So maybe he's a guy that you look at a year from now. But again, that could change. They already have kicked the tires on Sylvester Williams a couple of years ago. That didn't work out. So you look at the list at Brandon Meebane. Jerron Reed, Demaka Pecco, Corey Lugit, Ryan Glasgow. I mean, none of these. You're you're probably bringing a guy that's not going to necessarily be a star for you at this point. You're bringing a guy that you can be hopefully a rotational guy for you if you're the Lions. That maybe gives means that you have a good third defensive tackle because right now it's 
you know, a little bit dicey and you're banking a lot on maybe a Frank Heron or a John Piacini or, you know, playing Deshaun Hand inside to match up with Shelton and with Nick Williams. So it's, to me, a spot that they definitely could use somebody. And we'll see what happens. Listen, as camp continues to go on, maybe there's a trade because they are deep at other positions like we talked about, at corner, at receiver, even at running back a little bit that maybe, you you know, linebacker in some ways as well, that maybe you could see a trade down the road. And I would think defensive end or defensive tackle would be an area the Lions should probably try and target. But uh, I haven't heard any names for sure. And even if they do bring somebody in, uh, if it's an interior defensive lineman, there's no names out there that really would excite me uh, on, any, on any sort of level, thinking that that's a star. Um, the intriguing one would be more Darius, but I, I don't know if that would happen. Thanks, as always, to all of you for listening, for getting through this podcast. Thanks to my sponsors, Bet Online, NFL Sunday Ticket, Ferro One, Regents Field, and Blue Wire, as always, for hosting this podcast. Thanks to my producer, David Woodley. And you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Rothstein Journalist. Please don't forget, give us a nice five-star reviewer rating, would you? That'd be so kind. We'd really, really appreciate it. And we will be back with you again tomorrow. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than on than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and big game Bob Ori. The, see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering app.